Instead of relying on accountants, regulators, and the government, Bitcoin relies on a global network of peers to enforce rules, shifting enforcement from manual, local, and inconsistent to automated, global, and predictable. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I'm Guy Swan and this is Bitcoin Audible. What's up, crew? Welcome back to the show. This is Bitcoin Audible, and I am Guy Swan. Intro music gets me jacked. I am ready to get into some Bitcoin. Now, today we are jumping into part two of the ARK Invest uh, thesis or white paper or whatever you want to call it um, of Bitcoin, a novel economic institution. Now, yesterday's uh, first half that we hit of this piece was... Uh, uh, breaking into how the financial system has uh, failed on uh, four assurances, four economic assurances. And now we are going to get into what Bitcoin is and how it, uh, how well it satisfies those same uh, four economic assurances. Now, I just want to say before we jump into it, we are going to have Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategy, on the podcast tomorrow. If you have any questions, um, if you listen to this before that drops uh, and you have any questions for him, let me know. Um, I'm really, really excited about this conversation. I've listened to Michael on some other, uh, on Pomp's podcast and uh, I just, I'm super excited about this. I think it's going to be an awesome uh, chat about them leading the way into a Bitcoin standard from a, uh, from a corporate perspective. It's going to be awesome, so don't miss it. Make sure you subscribe to the show, and that will be just around the corner. All right, so uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the second half of Bitcoin, a novel economic institution by Yassine Elmandra uh, and ARK Invest, starting at section four, Bitcoin. A financial institution eliminating the need for a trust-based model. To a significant degree, the financial system's weakness today is a function of a trust-based model controlled by centralized institutions. Human bias and error exposes participants to mismanagement, creating an unpredictable environment for economic activity. Enter the information age and a new economic order unleashed by computer science and cryptography. During the global financial crisis in 2009, the internet birthed Bitcoin, a financial system without a centralized authority. Bitcoin fundamentally shifts how a financial system distributes trust, eliminating the roles of several institutions that rely on centralized authorities and creating an ecosystem based on computer science and cryptography. In contrast to a central bank that controls monetary policy, or a commercial bank that controls the custody of assets, or a payment processor that controls consumer transactions, the Bitcoin network and all of its participants oversee all such functions, as shown below. Figure 5 shows a simple model of the responsibilities in institutions in a financial system 
and comparing it to the Bitcoin network that's responsible for each layer of economic function. What is Bitcoin? At its core, Bitcoin is free and open source software, code that lives on the internet. Individuals can run the code or copy it and create their own variant. The Bitcoin network is a complete financial system that facilitates the transfer and custody of Bitcoin, a new digital monetary asset. Lowercase b, Bitcoin, the asset, is a standardized unit of value embedded in the network. Its value acts as a signaling mechanism that aligns network shareholders. In some ways, we believe it is the purest form of money ever created. It is a digital bearer asset similar to a commodity. It is scarce, divisible, portable, transferable, and fungible. It is an asset that can be matched by equity and custodied without liability or counterparty risk. Importantly, Bitcoin's properties are native to the Bitcoin network. While existing institutions must coordinate the functions of a financial system, Bitcoin operates as a single institution. Instead of relying on accountants, regulators, and the government, Bitcoin relies on a global network of peers to enforce rules, shifting enforcement from manual, local, and inconsistent to automated, global, and predictable. While traditional financial institutions are subject to appeal, Bitcoin has no such fallback. Bitcoin transactions do not rely on trust, but must be verified. In the absence of central enforcement, its integrity is a function of its openness and transparency, a challenge to old-world financial institutions. 5. Bitcoin is designed to satisfy the four economic assurances. Assurance 1. Value should be exchanged globally and freely. Why we believe Bitcoin satisfies Assurance 1. Bitcoin users can send any amount of value anytime to anyone, anywhere. Bitcoin allows anyone to participate. It does not rely on a centralized authority to control the flow of transactions or to determine the eligibility of participants. It identifies individual users not by personal names or IP addresses, but by cryptographic digital keys and addresses. A digital key consists of a public and private key, akin to a bank account number and a secret PIN code. Each key is unique and does not require internet access. To receive Bitcoin, users generate Bitcoin addresses associated with their public keys, akin to beneficiary names on checks which are possible destinations for Bitcoin payments. Today, the number of daily active Bitcoin addresses is close to 1 million, as shown below. Figure 6 is a chart of the entire Bitcoin history of Bitcoin active addresses on a 30-day average. To send Bitcoin, a user broadcasts a transaction to validators, known as nodes, in Bitcoin's peer-to-peer -peer network. The nodes are volunteer computers running software to verify the network's integrity. Node operators range from individuals to large companies. Once a transaction is broadcast, the user pays miners a Bitcoin-denominated fee as miners secure the transaction. To date, miners have earned $1.1 billion in fees cumulatively, securing more than 500 million transactions, as shown below.
Figure 7 is a chart of both the cumulative transaction fees and the transaction count on a chart from 2015 to today. While centralized services like PayPal might provide a more convenient means of payment, unlike Bitcoin, they do not provide censorship-resistant guarantees. Once secured by a miner, a Bitcoin transaction is irreversible, with settlement guaranteed. Currently, Bitcoin appears to be more efficient at settling high-value than small-value transactions. That said, as long as they pay fees to miners, Bitcoin users can send any amount, anytime, anywhere. Since its creation, Bitcoin has settled more than $2.5 trillion in transactions, as shown in Figure 8, the average size of which has been $2,000. Assurance 2 Wealth should be protected and owned wholly. Why we believe Bitcoin satisfies assurance too. Bitcoin has an embedded, independent property system. While legal structures and local authorities enforce the ownership of traditional assets, cryptography enforces Bitcoin's ownership. The only requirement to own Bitcoin is the ability to send and receive it. The possession of a private key equates to ownership. Control is a function of the private keys. With effective key management, Bitcoin is easy to conceal and protect, difficult to seize or steal. Typically, users store private keys in databases called wallets that are separate from the Bitcoin protocol and can be managed without access to the internet. A traditional wallet stores keys locally and offline, but might also be stored on paper or in human memory. By replacing the local enforcer with private key cryptography, Bitcoin introduces a property system that can operate outside traditional systems. Bitcoin's personal sovereignty is particularly useful in jurisdictions with weak property rights, as suggested by its higher usage in countries with unstable property right enforcement. In our view, Bitcoin is the deepest asset on the asset protection spectrum, given the absence of a local protector. Assurance 3 Rules should be enforced reliably and predictably. Why we believe Bitcoin satisfies Assurance 3. Bitcoin incorporates a unique system of checks and balances to maintain integrity. Quote, The root problem with conventional currency is all the trust that's required to make it work. The central bank must be trusted not to debase the currency. But the history of fiat currencies is full of breaches of that trust. Banks must be trusted to hold our money and transfer it electronically, but they lend it out in waves of credit bubbles with barely a fraction in reserve. Satoshi Nakamoto, creator of Bitcoin. Bitcoin software formalizes its network rules. Humans are not the final arbiters of truth and cannot decide unilaterally to change its rules. Instead, the nodes that verify transactions also enforce the rules. Each node follows the same set of rules and is allowed in the network only if it follows those rules. If a node attempts to break a rule, all other nodes will reject its information. Proposed software changes are meaningless unless various stakeholders choose to accept them. Global and disparate, 
nodes would not accept any compromise to the integrity of their bread and butter. Nodes, however, are only one part of the equation maintaining Bitcoin's integrity. Bitcoin incorporates a unique system of checks and balances intended to encourage protocol innovation and maintenance, while making sure that any changes are in the interest of stakeholders. Key to the system of checks and balances is the value of Bitcoin the asset, which provides an economic incentive for stakeholders to resolve disputes and maintain the system's integrity. No stakeholder has preferential rights or treatments, but each stakeholder benefits from Bitcoin's price appreciation, the network's primary signaling mechanism. Any change that threatens the system's integrity would threaten the value of Bitcoin. Stakeholders, therefore, should have little incentive to act maliciously. The system of checks and balances with four stakeholders is detailed below. Figure 10, found on page 16 of the paper, is a mental map of Bitcoin's governance model. Bitcoin's ability to maintain a predictable monetary policy is testimony to its robust system of checks and balances. Bitcoin is the first verifiable digital asset that already is scarce. It is mathematically metered to top out at 21 million units. In contrast to modern central banking in which newly minted money finances government spending and lending, newly issued Bitcoins compensate miners who sequence and secure Bitcoin's history of transactions. Arguably, Bitcoin's most valuable feature is its reliable monetary policy, as shown in figure 11. Arbitrary changes are highly improbable. Assurance 4. The system's integrity should be verifiable. Why we believe Bitcoin satisfies Assurance 4. Bitcoin embeds native verification tools. Bitcoin not only protects participants from harmful rule changes, but also enforces and verifies the first three assurances. Unlike in traditional financial institutions, individuals can fact-check every claim Bitcoin makes. Specifically, a Bitcoin node provides native verification tools that ensure the enforcement of each rule, as shown in the table below. Table 1 of Assurance 4 that Bitcoin participants can verify the system's integrity. The Verified Assurance Assurance 1 Value should be exchanged globally and freely. Verification type. Users can validate any inbound transaction. Users can verify Bitcoins have not been sent more than once and transactions have not been censored. And users can view the full history of transactions taking place on the network. Assurance 2. Wealth should be wholly owned and protected. Verification type. Users can verify ownership of Bitcoin. Users can verify Bitcoins have not been spent without access to their associated private keys. And Assurance 3. Rules should be enforced reliably and predictably. Verification type. Users can audit the existing and future issuance of Bitcoin is in accordance with a predetermined and well-defined schedule. All nodes house Bitcoin's history tracking the balances of all accounts. Each node is equal to another in its capability to verify and audit. 
Today, any individual can download a Bitcoin client, install a node, and audit and verify every transaction with little more than a computer command. Bitcoin's decentralization is a function of the low barrier to entry associated with running a node. Today, thousands of globally dispersed nodes verify Bitcoin's integrity inexpensively. Its native verification tools enable financial auditability, encouraging entities building services on Bitcoin to be transparent about their operations. 6. Bitcoin as an Investment We believe Bitcoin is creating the possibility of a global monetary system controlled not by nation-states, but by individuals. By eliminating the need for a trust-based model, Bitcoin is calling into question the current foundation of economic organizations and is paving the way for a more predictable financial system. Bitcoin presents investors with a unique opportunity. In part two of our research, we will analyze Bitcoin as an emerging monetary asset. While many investors question its merit, in our view, Bitcoin is the most compelling monetary asset to emerge since gold. And that closes out Bitcoin, a novel economic institution, an ARK Invest paper. Uh, and part two does not appear to be out yet. Um, it said it, they were predicting that it would be out very soon. Um, but the last time I checked... Oh, nope. Okay, it's out. It's out. It just dropped today on the 17th of September. So part two is out. I'm going to download this. Crap, I've got more reading to do. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, well, part two will probably be coming uh, soon. This one is titled Bitcoin as an Investment. Uh, but we'll take a break because we got a, a Michael Saylor coming on the show tomorrow from MicroStrategy. And I got a couple other things I want to hit. Um, but we will come back to this and keep going through this because I just thought this was a this was an excellent piece um, as we talked about yesterday going through each of the assurances um, and how how Bitcoin compares and that chart it was actually a, a t or not a chart a table um, of breaking down like when we got to assurance four about how Bitcoin participants can verify the system's integrity. I thought this was really cool because um, uh, assurance one, two, and three, like the the assurance four that was given, that's given to Bitcoin's uh, uh, to participants, to users of the system that can actually verify the integrity, are the very tools that verify assurances one, two, and three that it can be exchanged globally and freely, that there's no censorship, um, that Bitcoins cannot be spent more than once. Uh, that you can verify the the validity of any inbound transaction or any transaction whatever in the entire history of the chain, that you can verify um, each of those transactions was done by explicitly the owner of the private keys, and you can do so with uh, cryptographic assurances um, of the most reliable and tested cryptography um, that, that we have. Uh, and that you can verify the ownership and confirmation, the the security and the depth of your own transactions and the own uh, the uh, uh, 
your own balances within the chain, uh, within the actual Bitcoin system. So you can know miners have built on top of it and with exactly how much proof of work is preventing the reversibility of that transaction. So you can literally measure and uh, essentially guess um, or uh, uh, make a, a very educated estimate on how much capital it would take to undo your transaction. You can verify the, uh, the incentive structure, the fact that the rules do in fact um, produce this check and balance, the system where all of the stakeholders um, within it have enormous cost in trying to modify it, in trying to, um, uh, well, A, modify the rules. They can't do that without your explicit agreement because you are the one that's running the node that verifies those rules. So all they do is evict themselves from your network, but also that the, the incentives are such um, that the stakeholders have no reason to compromise the integrity because the value of the system's integrity is what is what gives the token its value it's why a bitcoin is more valuable than a, a altcoin one through a thousand is because the assurances and the likelihood that those rules will change or the um uh, potential of a, a hard fork or the a lack of uh, a security going to the network like all of these things make those tokens far less valuable to give far less assurances, potentially none at all. And then, of course, the, the most important of them all is the monetary policy, the fact that you actually have a share of the full ownership and that you know the issuance schedule is exact. You know, we ran the numbers. Like, that's, that's such a great meme, um, is that anybody and everybody can run the numbers and they know exactly how many Bitcoin there are, how many Bitcoin there are going to be in the next block, how many there will be in a couple of days and how many inevitably like or, or in uh, towards the end of the system, like where the cap is, what's the ultimate end for how many Bitcoin will exist. And we know it down to the one one hundred millionth to a Satoshi, which is what a thousandth of a cent now or a hundredth of a cent. I, I can't remember exactly, but a very, very, very small amount. Now, there's a really cool uh, quote in here that, uh, uh, I'll probably put it at the beginning of the episode, actually, um, uh, just because it's such a, it just really hits because it, it just so beautifully puts the, uh, just kind of envelops the entire comparison to what Bitcoin is versus the traditional financial system and just how massively uh, it has changed the game. Uh, so here's the quote. While existing institutions must coordinate the functions of a financial system, Bitcoin operates as a single institution. Instead of relying on accountants, regulators, and the government, Bitcoin relies on a global network of peers to enforce the rules, shifting enforcement from manual, local, and inconsistent to automated global, and predictable. That is a powerful statement right there. Um, and you think about it like this is the job, this is supposedly the job of banks, but it's been given to them through, a, through authority rather than like through, like, like they said, a trust-based system. We're doing it by relying on them to do the job and 
uh, ignoring the fact that the incentives are such that they will abuse it and that they do it all the time, but that we really don't have an option. We just have to trust them. But instead of needing accountants, instead of needing regulators to regulate the rules and regulate the leverage of the system and just how much reserve we can have and uh, what the interest rate is and blah, 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 and instead of having the government enforce property rights, enforce the ownership, and uh, ensure that transactions go through, instead of having all of these institutions and these separate systems of authority enforce separate rules within it that can even conflict and be totally inconsistent. The, those, again, the entire process is manual, which is why it's reversible and which, which is why we don't know, uh, potentially don't know who can enforce it or like how far up the ladder any person is. It's local in the sense that you can have it completely different like in one area versus another, and you can have corruption in your local area, but then a whole different local area, you know, uh, enforces the rules differently and then inconsistent because of that. The, the fact that it is manual and local provides the inevitable inconsistency. The fact that you can't predict what the, who the quote unquote rightful owner is going to be back to a bunch of things we talked about yesterday. Um, civil asset forfeiture, corruption of public records, uh, uh, government subsidies and all of these things like just deficits in general, the ability to print fractional reserve across the banking system. I mean, the, the list of lack of assurances is staggering. Like you could just, you could talk all day about how inconsistent, unpredictable, uh, completely broken and disparate and ridiculously manual the entire process of our current financial system is. And that this entire thing has been wrapped up into a single global institution that automates the entire process, competes against a judicial and government system by completely, by provably or verifiably uh, securing the property rights. And again, in the, the context of deep versus shallow, providing the deepest level of protection that an asset could even have. This is what we're talking about when we talk about self-sovereignty. The fact that straight up, if you hold and protect the private keys, it is yours. End of story. Hands down. No questions asked. Like someone can torture you, but they can't get your keys unless you specifically give it to them. They can't break the math. They have to break you. It's the only option. And on top of that, for it to be... Uh, so relatively easy to hide because it's information. You know, that doesn't mean it's perfect. That doesn't mean that everybody's equally responsible or equally illiterate in being able to do this or that they have the same security practices. That's not the point and, and simultaneously isn't even possible. Uh, and, and you don't want it. You want decentralization, right? You don't want one uh, system of key management to be the system of key management because if there's, there, if there's a vulnerability, everything's vulnerable. You want, us, you want everybody to try and learn at their own pace and create thousands, millions of different types of key management and ways to secure them and multi-sig and services around, you know, shared custody and um, vaults and uh, scripts for clawbacks and all sorts of stuff. You, you want that competition because then you have evolution. Then you have uh, a market that can grow and understand, that can learn to be better at it and develop incredibly 
uh, efficient and smarter methods of doing this to protect from any and all adversaries, including nation states, including criminals, including kidnappers, whoever it is. But I got to admit with that last statement, you know, like, like everything, I mean, that's why I have the freaking podcast, you know this, but uh, it's, it is without a doubt in my mind, just from my perspective and from, it just blows my mind that some people can't see this, um, is how fundamental of a shift we have gone through with the existence of Bitcoin. If this system can be maintained, if, uh, if this continues to, you know, tick tock next block, it is absolutely the most compelling monetary asset since gold. Everything in between in that 6,000, 10,000 year period, whatever it is between when really gold became the core, the core, the, the crux of uh, the monetary institutions around the globe, everything in between has been barely an innovation. It, it has not been even close to a reimagining. It's just been kind of a, another service or layer on top of gold or some like uh, modified replacement of it. And fiat isn't, I don't even consider an innovation. It's, a, and it's an attempt to scale at the cost of destroying what makes it money. So it, it becomes a, it's a great currency. It's a great transactional currency, but it does so at the cost of one of the most fundamental aspects of it. I don't, I don't think it's a quote-unquote a better innovation than gold is money. I just think it's a trade-off to uh, produce scaling where gold couldn't. So it's just kind of the flip side of where gold provides incredible assurances for scarcity and uh, you know fungibility and independence. Uh, fiat provides uh, solutions to all of the drawbacks of gold, of scalability, of transactional efficiency and cost, and complete inability to do anything digital with it, like it just can't possibly work in the digital space, um, and, you know, the inherent centralization toward uh, gold and all of these things. So it provides solutions to all of that, but at the exact cost of all of the things that make gold great. Scarcity, fungibility, uh, privacy, independent ownership, all that stuff. But on that time scale, on that, uh, looking at that as the, the story of money and with gold and fiat being our two major players, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a revolution. It is absolutely the most disruptive idea in the concept of money. And to even help define, to really break down what Bitcoin, or excuse me, what money is at its heart. You know, gold was great because it worked well as money, but it's, it's funny how many, uh, how many, particularly like gold bugs, Peter Schiff is a great example. They actually miss what money is, like what's the heart of money is. And Bitcoin actually informs that. You realize that when money can exist solely digitally and that gold actually has drawbacks as money, like you realize that Bitcoin is the most pure form of money that we've ever had. And that is just fascinating to think about that not only is it an, a, one of the most compelling monetary innovations in thousands of years, but it, it could very well have profound effects on us defining what money actually is so that we can better understand it because it's working. And that is just awesome to me. Uh, again, a huge 
thank you to Yasin for this piece, um, who is the, the main author here, and work from a lot of other people, from ARK Invest and Coinmetrics, who uh, were, you know, helped put this together and get all the information together. Um, so uh, thank you to everyone who had a hand in this, and uh, I will be digging into part two, probably. I'll see if I can't get some time to start into it tonight, like read it. Um, uh, no doubt that it's going to be good now that we're hitting, moving on to uh, the next part about Bitcoin as a monetary asset. So yeah, we'll probably be doing that on the show. Stay tuned. Don't forget to subscribe, share it with everybody you know in the Bitcoin and crypto space. And of course, anyone who is looking to understand, uh, get that introduction to Bitcoin, to understand just how powerful of a technology this thing is and how it fundamentally reorganizes uh, how we relate to each other in an economic sense. This is a new financial system, and it's going to change the world. And Bitcoin Audible is where you're going to hear all about it. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I love you all, and I'll catch you on the next one. Michael Saylor coming tomorrow. Going to be a good one. Until then, take it easy, guys. This has been a 111 production, and you are listening to Bitcoin Audible on the Crypto Economy Network.